Conservative internet meme artist Douglas Mackey has officially been sentenced by an Obama judge to seven months in prison for posting moderately funny memes. The memes are just a riff on an old political joke in which you instruct your co-partisans to vote the right way and your opponents to vote the wrong way. The joke usually goes, hey, Republicans, vote on Tuesday. Oh, you're a Democrat? I'll vote on Wednesday. Don't forget, you got to vote. Not one minute sooner than Wednesday. That kind of thing. Here's one of the jokes that he posted. This is Hillary. It looks like a Hillary ad, but it's obviously not one because it says, vote for her, vote from home. Post Hillary using hashtag presidential election. (laughs) Saying on November 8th, type the word Hillary and post it to Twitter or Facebook using the hashtag presidential election between 7 a.m. and 9 p.m. Eastern to cast your vote from Hillary from home. Stronger together, and then it says powered by Microsoft. So if you if you were too dull to know that this was a joke from the beginning, if you were too uninformed about how our government works to know that you can't vote by posting to Twitter, uh, if you if you just missed the joke, at the bottom there, the powered by Microsoft, I think forces you to get that it's a joke because presumably Microsoft is not supposed to be running our elections. I guess, actually, sorry, I should take that back because we're living in a day and age in which Google and Facebook have much more control over our elections than ordinary people and mayors and townships and states. So you're right, maybe you missed that. But truly, if you mistake this for real campaign instructions, you should not vote. Certainly not. You should, you probably shouldn't be able to live on your own, so impaired must you be uh, in your basic functioning. Here's another meme, again posted by Douglas Mackey. Save time, avoid the line, vote from home. Text Hillary to 59925 and we'll make history together this November 8th. And uh, the key here too is not only are these obviously jokes, they're memes, but they're being posted from an account with a MAGA hat on, from, from Douglas Mackey's account. They're being posted by people who then, when they repost it, they say, at the Ricky Vaughn, that was his handle, thanks for spreading the word, hashtag MAGA, hashtag I'm with her, hashtag vote Hillary from home, save time and avoid the line. So they're even using the hashtag MAGA, they're using the, the Trump hashtag, because it's obviously a joke. And for those mildly spicy memes, Mackey is going to prison. Because in the words of Judge Obama hack, the memes constituted, quote, a scheme to deprive individuals of their constitutional right to vote and were therefore, quote, nothing short of an assault on our democracy. Democracy. So another peaceful conservative dissident goes to the clink to join the Midwestern grannies and the pro-lifers and all the other people who have had the temerity to express their political views and oppose the ruling class. What sort of government do they think this is? I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. just a moment, we will see a nun tackle a leftist climate protester, which is a great joy. We'll get to that in a moment. First, though, I don't want to move off our democracy too quickly. Is that, are we living? Is that with this? Is this a democracy? I, if this is democracy, 
I think our founding fathers deserve a refund. If expressing in even the mildest, funniest, most anodyne ways your opposition to the liberal ruling class is a threat to our democracy, and it means you got to go to prison for months and months at a time, if not years, I think democracy doesn't quite mean what they think it means. Here's Nancy Pelosi suggesting that if Republicans elect a Speaker of the House that she doesn't like, if they vote, if the representatives in the government vote, and then most of them get what they want, that's a threat to democracy. It is a reminder that the speaker is second in line to the presidency. And when you had a president who was refusing to be president and you had a vice president who was hiding and fearing for his life, it was the speaker who had to take charge. And you did that. The idea that the person in that position, if something catastrophic were to happen to the Capitol again, would be an insurrectionist, somebody who was on the side of the insurrectionists. I can't wrap my mind around it fully, and I wonder what you make of it. The public has to understand what is at stake. Our democracy is at stake. What have the Republicans accomplished at all, even when they had a president in the White House from time to time? An enormous tax cut for the super rich and corporations. Now, some of them have said this is a bridge too far for our democracy. And uh, we respect differences of opinion. That's our democracy. We welcome the fray, the conversation, the debate. That it's not a question of I don't like what you believe. Yeah. So therefore, uh, you're not right. No, that's your right. You represent your district, and that's it. But if you're not honoring the oath of office, if you don't respect our democracy, (laughs) that is a that is a a a line that cannot be crossed. How many times did she say democracy? It's like a stutter with her. Every man, what would you like for lunch? I think I would democracy have the double quarter democracy pounder with democracy cheese, and maybe, uh, man, would you like a medium or a large? I'd like a democracy uh, large. I want a large democ ice diet, democracy diet, democracy, democracy Coke, democracy or sacred democracy. And I love she says, look, it's not about differences of opinion. You have a difference of opinion. I respect that. If you disagree with me, look, we the people, we, we debate it, we discuss, we come to conclusions. But if I actually disagree with you, then it's a threat to democracy. You see, if you, see, if you disagree with me in a kind of pretend way, like a Mitt Romney kind of way, where you, you push back a little tiny bit, but then ultimately it's your job just to lose and to roll over and let us win, then obviously that's wonderful for our sacred democracy. But if you actually defend the, the interests of your constituents and you actually make reasoned arguments that defeat my reasoned arguments, well, then you're an insurrectionist and you go to prison because you're a threat to that. Uh, obviously, by definition, whatever the, the most people vote for is a an expression of the democracy. Always. It's not the way that the liberals currently say it is, which is, if most people vote for Obama, democracy is working. If most people vote for Trump, democracy is under threat. If most people vote for Orban in Hungary, democracy is on the verge of extinction. If most people vote for the Brexit in the UK, or they vote for Maloney in Italy, or any other right-wing government, that's a, that's a grave threat. That's, that's, of course, not it. In that case, they're confusing 
liberalism and democracy, which are different things. Liberalism is is an ideology. It could be held by a minority of people. It usually is held by a minority of people, but uh, they conflate the two things. So they say, oh, the vast majority of people voted for Donald Trump. Well, that's a threat to democracy because does democracy means liberalism. So she's making a very stupid point there, but she, she does get to a kernel of truth. And I haven't heard anyone else point out the little tiny grain of truth that ironically Democrats like Nancy Pelosi are showing, they're revealing when they make this point, which we'll get to in one second. First though, I want to talk about your dog and what your dog is eating. And I want to talk about Rough Greens. Right now, go to roughgreens.com slash Michael. You know, I'm not a dog person. I'm a people person. But my stepbrother, he has a little dog. And while I'm lukewarm on my stepbrother, you know, the dog should be healthy, which is why I sent him Rough Greens. And they absolutely love it. Naturopathic doctor, Dennis Black, the founder of Rough Greens, is focused on improving the health of every dog in America. Dog food may as well be considered dead food because it contains very little nutritional content. Think about it. Nutrition is not brown, it's green. Let Rough Greens bring your dog's food back to life. Rough Greens, how many times am I going to say it? A lot. Is a supplement that contains all the necessary vitamins, minerals, probiotics, omega oils, digestive enzymes, and antioxidants that your dog needs. You don't have to go out and buy new dog food. Just sprinkle Rough Greens on your food every single day. Dog owners everywhere are raving about Rough Greens. It supports healthy joints, improves bad breath, boosts energy levels. It does a whole lot more than that. And right now, my listeners are going to get a free Jumpstart trial bag so that your dog can try it. Get that free Jumpstart trial bag delivered straight to your door just a few business days at roughgreens.com slash Michael or call 844-RUFF-123. R-U-F-F-Greens.com slash Michael or call 844-RUFF-123 today. The nearest thing to a coherent point that Nancy Pelosi is making when she says that most people voting for conservatives threatens democracy is that democracy can undo itself. So for instance, if most people went to the ballot box and they voted for a ballot proposition that said that we're going to cease to be a democracy and become a monarchy, and we're going to elect King Donaldo Maximus and he will reign as the great Caesar for a thousand years. Uh, And they voted for that. That would be the democracy undoing itself. Now, of course, that's not what anyone has done here. In fact, Donald Trump ran on a much more pro-democratic platform than his liberal opponents, certainly than Hillary Clinton. Jim Jordan is running on a much more pro-democracy platform for Speaker of the House than many speakers and basically any speaker we've had in recent history. But in principle, a democracy could undo itself. And in fact, Nancy Pelosi's right that our sacred democracy faces a threat of undoing itself from her side. That's the part she's missing. That's the part all the Democrats are missing. It's not the right-wing Republicans who are threatening democracy. It's the Democrats who are undermining the very uh, prerequisites of democracy. The most often cited quote on this front is from John Adams, who says that our constitution is built for a moral and religious people. And in 2023, we read that quote and we say, oh, isn't that sweet? John Adams liked religion. He actually didn't like religion all that much. He wasn't even remotely an Orthodox Christian, but he recognized that if you lost religion, you would lose morality. And if you lost morality, the constitution would be worthless. It would just be a dead sheet of paper with no enforcement mechanism. 
that has undermined our sacred democracy. Sometimes people will also pedantically point out that we're a republic, not a democracy, which is half true. It's half true in the sense that we're obviously not a direct democracy like certain societies in antiquity, but we're we're a representative republic. Okay, sure. But actually the way that the framers of our constitution use the, the words democracy and republic in the Federalist Papers, very confused. And they sometimes point to ancient republics as democracies and vice versa. So anyway, it, broadly speaking, we are mostly a democracy. Frankly, the way the Constitution was set up is a little closer to what Thomas Aquinas described as the ideal polity, which is that you've got a monarchical element in the United States in the person of the president. Then you've got an aristocratic representation. You see this in institutions like the Senate. You see this in the representation for the states. You see this in the way that landed gentry had more political sway. And then you see a strong democratic representation too. We have that. We've undermined a lot of it. The the biggest thing undermining it is the loss of religion and morality. That is being driven not entirely, but almost exclusively by the Democrats. You want to whine and cry about the loss of our sacred democracy? Blame Nancy Pelosi. So where does our sacred democracy stand? Where does Jim Jordan's race stand? It's not looking great. You know, I, I love Jim Jordan. The only reason that I, I didn't immediately endorse him for speaker is because I like him too much. And I think he's a good guy. And I think being the Republican Speaker of the House is the worst job in Washington, D.C. I'm sure he'd be great at it, but I, I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. Anyway, Jim threw his hat in the ring and he he ended up beating out Steve Scalise, who first got the nomination, then didn't have the votes. He dropped out of the race. Now Jim Jordan's up. He went up for the vote and lost. And then they went up for a second vote he lost again. A total of 199 members voted for Jim Jordan yesterday, uh, which means he he lost by a greater margin than he had the day before. He he ended up losing one additional vote because he previously had gotten 200 votes the day before. So now there are 22 Republican defectors voting for other people in the GOP. Uh, Hakeem Jeffries ended up getting more votes, 212, but not enough to elect him speaker. So now what are we going to do? Well, this was always the fear. In fact, I think this is why Jim Jordan did not vote to oust Kevin McCarthy is because there wasn't much of a plan on who was going to replace him. Steve Scalise, he didn't have the votes. Jim Jordan doesn't currently have the votes. I hope he gets them. Who? What are they going to do? One possibility is to expand the powers of the temporary House Speaker, Patrick McHenry. So, Patrick McHenry, just by default, gets this position as the temporary Speaker of the House, but he doesn't really have virtually any of the power of the Speaker of the House. So one solution that's been proposed is to just give him those powers passed as, a, as an act of Congress. And then uh, once he has those powers, they can kind of get through this term and then figure out what happens in 2024. Uh, not ideal, not a great way for the Republicans to exercise power. It seems to me we've got a very slim majority and uh, we've Democrats have the Senate, Democrats have the White House, Democrats have the deep state and the media and the universities and virtually every power center in the country. So who, the holdouts on Jim Jordan, 22 of them, they're virtually all squishes. Maybe not every single, pretty much every single one of them, though. They're squishes, they're liberals, they're saboteurs, <laughs> they're, they're just awful. And they need to get on board because... <laughs> If they don't, then the Republicans will be ceding the very little control that they currently have in the government. And maybe that's what these squishes wanted the whole time. Maybe that's what these limp Republicans, impotent Republicans, always kind of wanted. 
The reason that being the Republican Speaker of the House is the worst job in the country, in, certainly in Washington, D.C., is because the Democrats are all on the same page. With the exception of Joe Manchin and maybe Kirsten Sinema, they're all progressive leftists. There, there is barely a blue dog left in the bunch. So they're all on the same page, and they can, they can join together and act and, and throw their weight around because they're unified. The Republicans are not. The Republicans have conservatives. The Republicans have libertarians. The Republicans have liberals. The conservatives have the, the self-styled moderates. The conservatives have the Chamber of Commerce people. They're, they're disparate factions, and they don't have a ton bringing them together. So they're going to hang apart. And what these squishes are saying is they're saying, look, I would rather give Democrats much more control over the House of Representatives and have nearly unified control over the government than empower one of those mean old conservatives. Jim Jordan, too, by the way, because Jim Jordan has very conservative beliefs, but he is as respectable a guy in Congress as there possibly could be. He is as decent a guy as you're going to find in the House of Representatives. And if he is too far and crazy and right-wing for them, then they're just not conservative, which means that the, the five-person Republican majority was largely illusory because we weren't able to get a speaker. Yes, they kind of agreed on Kevin McCarthy, but the only way that Kevin finally got his speakership the first time, the only time, I guess, is when he conceded so much of his power that they were able to depose him nine months later. Basically, the same thing happened with Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan was a compromise candidate. He didn't ask for the job. He wanted to remain chairman of the budget committee. He was drafted as the only person who could bring the, the factions of the GOP together. And then he left in ignominy. Nobody liked him by the time he left. How about uh, John Boehner? John Boehner, deeply unpopular speaker. No one likes him now. He basically just shills for Democrats while he's sipping red wine and smoking a cig on the cover of his tell-all book, Bashing Conservatives. We just, don't, we just don't have any ability to function as Republicans at the national level in Washington, D.C. One of the reasons I was a little skeptical of ousting McCarthy, although it was, that fate was sealed the moment that McCarthy made his deal with the conservatives to become speaker in the first place. So where do we go from here? We either go to Speaker Jordan or we lose a lot of power. That's where we go. Ultimately, though, Ultimately, regardless of who becomes speaker, the deep state, which is the spooky term for the federal bureaucracy, perfectly ordinary political concept that we all know about, nothing conspiratorial about it at all, the deep state's going to do what it wants to do, regardless of what Congress does. In fact, here's how we know this. Wall Street Journal just reports, and the Pentagon doesn't deny, that 2,000 U.S. troops have been told to prepare to deploy to help the state of Israel against Hamas and whichever other Middle Eastern nations get involved in the war. Pentagon said, yes, okay, roughly uh, 2,000 U.S. troops were told, uh, quote, I don't have more to provide at this time. I might be able to give you more details later, but at this time, I just don't have anything more specific to add. That's according to the Deputy Press Secretary, Sabrina Singh of the Pentagon. And this, to me, is the best and worst part of the House of Representatives' failure to govern. This is the best and the worst part of the House's failure to pass a budget in recent years. This is the best and worst part of the House's failure to even have a speaker, is it shows you just how little Congress has to do with our actual government. It's, this is the, the best part of it in that it, it rips off the facade 
Remember, remember back in, what was it, July? Maybe it was a little earlier when there was a big hubbub about funding the war in Ukraine and people didn't want to fund the war in Ukraine. Most Americans don't want to fund that war. Certainly most Republicans don't want to fund that war. So Congress was saying, no, no more funding for Ukraine. And what happened? The deep state came out and they said, oh, hey, we found $6 billion. That's not even exactly how they said it. Because that claim gets 10 Pinocchios on the fact check. But it's effectively what they said, because they said, well, actually, look, in that money that was already allocated, we sent some weapons over to Ukraine. And we've decided after the fact that the weapons were worth less than we said they were worth. So... Uh, yeah, how did we decide that? I don't know. We just, I don't know. We got new uh, analysts and they said that actually the guns and the tanks and the whatever, they're worth a lot less. So that means we'd already allocated the money. It means effectively we've got another $6 billion. Congress didn't allocate it. We just sort of found it in the couch cushions and we're going to send more weapons over to Ukraine. Okay, easy. We don't need to talk to a single stupid congressman to get that kind of money. It's the same thing. All of these government shutdowns in recent years, they don't impede the the function of of government really at all. Why? Because our duly elected representatives of our sacred democracy that the Democrats never shut up about don't really seem to have all that much to do with our actual government. When you want to learn about our government, a lot of other things, you got to go check out Hillsdale. Right now, go to hillsdale.edu slash Knowles. Are you a few years or decades out of school and wondering what? the heck did I even learn? And what was the point? You might even be thinking, I don't have the time to learn something new. Well, if that's you, you're not alone and it's not too late. Hillsdale College is offering more than 40 free online courses. Learn about the works of C.S. Lewis, the rise and fall of the Roman Republic, or the history of the ancient Christian church with Hillsdale College's online courses. If you are not sure where to start, Check out C.S. Lewis on Christianity. In this seven-lecture course, you will examine some of Lewis's classic works, including Mere Christianity, The Screwtape Letters, and The Abolition of Man. You'll also see what Lewis had to say about scripture, prayer, suffering, joy, heaven, and hell. The course is self-paced so that you can start whenever and wherever. Enroll now in C.S. Lewis on Christianity to discover Lewis's core lessons on Christianity and how to apply faith to your life. Go to hillsdale.edu slash Knowles to enroll. No cost, easy to get started. Hillsdale.edu slash Knowles, hillsdale.edu slash Knowles. If you've not heard the news, Bent Key, our new kids content app that launched on Monday, is now officially the number one kids entertainment app. You should know this because it was you who made it number one by downloading the new BentKey app and experiencing it for yourself. You once again have a space with shows made for kids that they will love and you can trust. The kind of content that we had growing up. And just like when we were growing up, new episodes are released every Saturday morning. You know, I woke up my eldest son today, a sweet little boy, two and a half years old, and he was hugging his little chip chilla stuffed animal. We got, that's one of the perks of employment here. We got the stuffed animals before anyone else did. And he was holding, he loved it. He took it, he wanted to bring it downstairs. Absolutely loves it. So right now, consider this your invitation to join the number one kids app by downloading it today. If you're already a DW annual member, I've got exciting news for you. You've already got full access to all of Ben Key's incredible shows at no extra cost. This would typically cost 99 bucks. It is included in your annual Daily Wire membership for free. You can get Ben Key now at dailywire.com slash subscribe. Speaking of that war in Israel and now throughout the Middle East, there's a story that happened a couple days ago about a hospital struck by some kind of explosive. And I didn't cover it on the show. And my producer said, aren't you going to cover the hospital story? And I said, what am I going to cover? 
I said, well, you know, the story about how the thing exploded and how it was, conversely, the Palestinian Islamic Jihad that misfired a rocket and the rocket accidentally hit the hospital and it killed 500 people. Or, some say, it was a missile from Israel and it hit the hospital and now Israel was lying about it to cover up their tracks. Or it was a missile that hit from either the Islamic Jihad or from Israel and it only hit a parking lot. And it hit a parking lot, but people still died. But was it 500 people or died? Many fewer people died. And the building was slightly damaged, but maybe someone was in the parking lot. And my answer is, I just don't know. I just don't know. Here's what I know. The state of Israel, as a general rule, tries to minimize civilian deaths. Hamas does not try to minimize civilian deaths. We know that for a fact. Beyond that, we just don't know very much. So if you asked me, Michael, what's your hunch? Was the rocket from Hamas or was the rocket from the state of Israel? I guess I would say my hunch is, or rather from the the Palestinian Islamic Jihad. I guess I would say my hunch is it came from the jihadis. But I don't really know. And you don't really know either. And nobody knows. Because we're currently in the heat of war. Or we're seeing the heat of war. We're seeing the fog of war. We're seeing all of that confusion. And we're being inundated with propaganda from both sides. And so I just don't know. The only thing I know for certain about right now, minute by minute, what's going on on the ground is that the U.S. interest is to contain the war. That's all I know. That's not the interest of the, of the belligerents in the war. The interest of Hamas and Palestinian Islamic Jihad and Hezbollah and Iran is to expand the war to destroy the state of Israel. The interest of the state of Israel is to expand the war to destroy its enemies, Hamas first, maybe Hezbollah, maybe Palestinian Islamic Jihad, maybe regime change in Iran. Those two national interests, or I guess Palestine's not a, a nation state, but those two belligerent interests are not the same as America's interest. America's interest is to contain the war so this doesn't become a broader regional conflict and then a global war that's going to pull us into it. That's our interest. Our interests don't always align. We are allies with the state of Israel. So we defend our allies. It's an important part of international relations and diplomacy. But our foreign interests are not identical with those of the state of Israel. A, a key example of this would have been the Nagorno-Karabakh conflict that just took place between the state of Azerbaijan and the Armenians, the Muslim Azerbaijanis and the Armenian Christians. Ar Ar Armenia, the oldest Christian nation in the world. In that case, the state of Israel backed Azerbaijan. I get why the state of Israel did it. It was in the state of Israel's national interest to counter other regional powers. But that would just be one small example of a place where our foreign interests diverge. And so we have an alliance with the state of Israel. We're sending aircraft carriers to the state of Israel. We're, we're doing our very level best to contain this conflict. But I do not see an argument as to how it is in America's interest to escalate to start bombing the mullahs in Iran to do any of these things. We have to be very, I know there are plenty of voices in Washington, D.C. calling for a broader conflict, even as we're seeing the war in Ukraine bring us already to the brink of World War III, because it's the first major war in Europe since World War II. Already, as we're seeing China begin to aggress in the South China Sea and on Taiwan, bringing us close as we've been in a long time to World War III. 
There were some people in Washington saying, let's let the bombs drop, baby. Let's go. Uh-uh. No. We got to be very, very clear about the U.S. interest. Generally speaking, do I think that th- this hospital attack was perpetrated by our ally, the state of Israel, versus the Islamic terrorists? No, I think it probably, it probably was the Islamic terrorists. That's not even my first question when I look at these kinds of events. My first question is, what is the American interest? What is in service of the cause of justice? What prevents World War III? Okay, whatever those answers are, in as much as they can align, do it. We do not want a global conflict now. Speaking of death and crimes, a big story on the cultural front from Britney Spears, who has a book coming out. And in the book, she says she had an abortion when she was younger and while she was dating Justin Timberlake, which you might recall was all the media was talking, the media was talking about Justin and Britney for like half of my childhood, I feel like. And uh, apparently there was always a big question, did they or did they not? You know, did they do that thing that only married people are supposed to do? I guess the answer was they did. And uh, Britney then became pregnant and then she says she had an abortion. And she said, if it had been left up to me alone, I never would have done it. And yet, Justin was so sure that he didn't want to be a father. He said, we weren't ready to have a baby in our lives, that we were way too young. To this day, it's one of the most agonizing things I've ever experienced in my life. To which I say, many such cases, many such cases. There was a young woman who wrote into the show, this was maybe years ago now, and she said, hey, Michael, I'm, I've got an abortion appointment, but I know you're pro-life, so what do you think? Should I not do it? And my, my first response was, do not, do not, under any circumstance, go through with the abortion. You will regret it the rest of your life. The reason not to have the abortion is because you're killing your child. The reason not to have the abortion is because it's intrinsically unjust. But if you're trying to reach someone just on a very emotional level, even in a very selfish level, make it clear, you will regret it for the rest of your life. I know a number of women who have had abortions. I know some women who have had multiple abortions. It's very difficult for them to get over it. I'm not, they, they never totally get over it. Some of them have healed and repented and moved on and lived edifying, sanctifying lives. But that's not something you really just like get over. And then Brittany famously, not that long thereafter, went completely crazy and then was placed in a conservatorship and still exhibits all these kind of crazy behaviors. You think there might be a connection there? I've seen that kind of connection. I think, I suspect there strongly is. It's like Lady Macbeth trying to wipe out the, the blood, out damn spot. That's a, that's a driver of that. I wonder, as we see the explosion of anxiety and depression and suicidality and just psychosis among young women, the, the, the number of young women who have to be prescribed all these powerful psych meds right now, I wonder if some of that, maybe much of that, has to do with a culture that encourages them to commit actions that lead to such regret. Most clearly abortion, but the whole thing, the culture of promiscuity, the hookup culture, feminism, all the rest of it. Might there be a connection between the insanity that people are expressing, and men too, men too, in a different way, the insanity that people seem to be displaying today 
and the insane and unreasonable behaviors that they engage in that lead to such regret. Speaking of Hollywood people, Millie Bobby Brown, who is the star of Stranger Things, she's the alien girl or whatever, like the, it's not an alien thing, it's like whatever, the kind of spooky telepathic girl in Stranger Things. Uh, Millie Bobby Brown has said that she is a feminist and she knows she is a feminist because a psychic told her, which to me totally checks out because psychics gain their dubious insights by communing with demons. So I'm not surprised at all that a demon would encourage anyone to become a feminist. Uh, in fact, I think that's a large driver of feminism, probably, you know, at least, at least uh, indirectly. A lot of people are laughing at this. They say, you get your insights from a psychic? Yeah, of course people do, because people have a, a natural inclination toward the religious. And when they don't practice true religion, religion, which is uh, a habit of virtue that inclines the will to give God what he deserves, when you don't uh, follow theology, which is faith-seeking understanding, applying logic and reason to our intuitions of God and our longing for God, then you become the most superstitious person in the world. And you do the crystals and the horoscopes and the astrology and the psychics and the, the vibes, man, and like the yoga and the feeling, the chakras with the whatever, and you just go into all this kind of craziness. I don't want to knock Millie Bobby Brown because she seems actually pretty promising. Uh, well, she's a good actress, good little actress, and she's very young. And I believe, I don't follow these things closely, but I believe she's engaged to be married. And in this, this interview with her, in which she talks about the psychics in Glamour magazine, she says that what she really wants is to have kids. So I don't know, I look at a young actress in Hollywood and she's been a child star, which is something that really messes virtually everyone up. And She's nevertheless said, I want to get married at a nice young age, not too young, but 19, 20, it's pretty good, get married young and start having kids. And I think, okay, I want to encourage her. That's great. That's awesome. She's still surrounded by a bunch of wackos in Hollywood who might be influencing her with bad things like feminism and psychics and whatever. But she, she clearly has a, a decent core intuition here. So she should follow that and stop listening to demons, whether those demons sit in Hollywood producer offices or whether those demons are uh, communicating via psychic media. On the topic of women doing the right thing, this is my favorite video that I have seen at least this week, maybe this year, and it's of a nun in France, a Catholic nun who is on the site of a new chapel that is being built when a bunch of climate protesters show up, these left-wing Gaia-worshipping pagans show up to destroy the construction site. So what is the nun going to do? Is the nun going to just sit meekly back? Is the nun only going to pray? I'm sure the nun was praying about this a lot, and that's a very important thing to do. That's the most important thing to do at first. But then there are other things that we can do, such as tackle the climate protesters. There she goes. Drag him. Slay, sister. Yes. Get that jerk in the muck. Then the other one's going. They keep trying to destroy the construction equipment. But that sister, oh, I love it. There are too many pacifists in the church militant, if you ask me. I absolutely love that. You know, they say faith without works is dead which is sometimes misinterpreted to mean that we can earn our own salvation through works. And that's not 
the case. God's grace comes all the way down the mountain. We can cooperate with that grace or not. And and a, a life of faith is going to look like something, and it's going to impel certain actions, such as tackling the climate activists who are trying to destroy your property and a beautiful chapel that could be built. The reason, though, that this video really struck me, and I think the reason it's going viral right now, and it pertains to what we were just talking about with feminism, is under feminism, women seem empowered, but are in fact powerless. Right? Women, uh, they, they seem like they're boss babes, but actually they just get used by a bunch of men as sexual toys and then discarded. They they are dragged out for activism, you know, and they they smile on camera, but then they're discarded. They they're told that they're empowered to go sit in the office at the widget factory and engage in drudgery all day and have to put off getting married and have to put off having kids and have to put off being the hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. So the PR coming out of media and Hollywood is these feminist women, they're so empowered, but they're miserable. And in fact, if you trust surveys on happiness, their happiness since feminism, going back to the very moment of the rise of feminism, their happiness has declined, both absolutely and relative to men. And ironically, under traditional gender roles, women seem subservient. Women seem like they're in a secondary role. In fact, however, they are extremely empowered. If you have ever met a real nun, I got to spend some time with some some, uh, sisters, some pro-life sisters in uh, Southern California at a a pro-life gala a few weeks ago. These are some of the toughest ladies you ever saw in your life, and they are doing lots of good, and they're not going to take no for an answer, uh, certainly not from unjust authority, and they're, they're forces to be reckoned with. You ever meet a true matriarch of a family? Often she will defer to her husband. The husband's the head of the household. She will look like a 1950s housewife. She might look like a 1250s housewife. She has a lot of power. This is the meaning of the phrase, the hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. The the reason that that is always the case is because when you live in accordance with nature and reality— you will succeed more. You will be more perfectly yourself. If you try to do the opposite, if, if you fall into the, the lie of feminism, which says that the only way to have power or do good is to act like a man, to put on a suit, and in some cases now to transform your body to look more like a man, uh, you're going to be acting out of accord with nature, out of accord with reality, and you're never going to beat reality. You, it, when, when you and reality go up in the boxing match, reality is always going to win. You will, you will become a caricature of yourself and what you're supposed to be rather than the perfect version of yourself. And ultimately, we reach our full perfection when we cooperate with God's grace and accept God's grace, which is why that nun is just absolutely crushing it and crushing that protester. My favorite comment yesterday is from Chantel XU4096, who says, as a Canadian cream puff, oh, how would you do? How about that, eh? I was waiting for Michael to talk about Pierre. Pierre, he's the man. Pierre Poilievre, who just destroyed that liberal journalist with facts and apples. Great, beautiful clip. When are we going to get our Pierre? I guess Trump is just the much less polished Pierre. You know, Canadians are very nice, and so they do things in a very nice way. Americans are a little more brash sometimes, and so it's fitting. Fitting that we've got our respective conservative leaders. 
Speaking of empowered women, I have the least surprising story that you've ever read in the news. You might recall a couple years ago, Victoria's Secret rebranded. Victoria's Secret previously advertised their lingerie on very sexy women. And then they said, we're not going to do that anymore. We're going to uh, advertise our lingerie on very obese people and on and men. And kind of butch, we're not going to, no more sexy women. We're just going to do every other kind of person, including dudes. And you're, here you go. Here's the big surprise. They're selling less lingerie. Isn't that weird? This all began because of Megan Rapino. Megan Rapino was a soccer lady who hated America. And she would pop up in the news when she said something disparaging about America or reality or tradition or decency. And, but she also happened to play soccer, I guess. And so she, she blasted Victoria's Secret and said they were pushing a message that's really harmful, one that was patriarchal and sexist, viewing not just what it meant to be sexy, but what the clothes were trying to accomplish through a male lens and through what men desired. And you see, Megan Rapinoe was a lesbian, and it's 2023, and everybody's supposed to be a lesbian, and nobody's supposed to be normal ever, and we're supposed to take the views that were previously on the kind of fringes of society and that were a bit eccentric, and those are supposed to be normal, and anyone who has normal desires or behaviors, they should be outcasts. They should be thrown into the outer darkness where there's wailing and gnashing of teeth, and they should not get their Victoria's Secret catalog with the pretty ladies in it. Uh-uh, that's very wrong and sexist and patriarchal and whatever. So then they rebrand the, the company. They don't, they, don't, they don't even do the annual fashion show. The annual fashion show is gone. That's been gone for five years now. And they got really good reviews from the critics. This is just like Rotten Tomatoes when some liberal movie comes out. And the critics say, oh, 95%, it's amazing, it's so beautiful. And it's about, you know, lesbian cowboys on a mountain somewhere. And they say, oh, it's the greatest movie ever. And then the audience score is like 5% because no one actually wants to see it. Because while it, it might press some ideological buttons that the critics like, it's not actually entertaining and it's not a good movie. Victoria's Secret's projected revenue for this year is $6.2 billion, which is a lot of money, but it's 5% lower than last year. And it's even lower than the $7.5 billion that it had in revenue in 2020. That's a big, that's a big difference. 7.5 billion down to 6.2 billion in three years. That's a collapse of your company. Why? Because no amount of activism will ever change human nature. No amount of activism will ever change the fundamentals of reality. This is what C.S. Lewis means when he, when he mocks the atheist. And he says he's not worried about atheists because atheists can no more change God's existence than a lunatic in his padded cell can, can blot out the sun by writing darkness on the walls of those cell. You just simply don't have the power to do that. And yet they go on. And the Rapinos of the world and the feminists and the LGBT act and all the activists, they, that's why they scream. That's why they yell and they scream in the street. Because their preference is out of accord with reality. And reality is always going to win. And they're always going to be frustrated. The more you try to deny reality, which is what we've all been told to do for the last 30 years at least, 
really the last 50, 60 years. Hey, you're born into a family, you hate that family. You're born into a body, you should hate that body. You're born into a country, hate that country. You're born with certain natural desires, suppress those desires. Try to have the opposite desires. That's not going to be a recipe for flourishing. Now, speaking of ogling women, like in the Victoria's Secret catalog, there's a story I don't have time to get to today. I'll try to get to it tomorrow. But deep fake porn. But we've already had enough weird sex stuff for today. We're going to move on to uh, guests that I'm so excited about. A pal of mine going back many, many years. We were students together in college. Two of the only conservatives at our extremely liberal college, Alec Torres, and Joshua Charles, who I've mentioned on this show before, a former Trump speechwriter, who has become one of my favorite religious writers on all of Twitter. He's got these amazing essays about, he converted from Protestantism to Catholicism, but they're essays, even if you're Protestant, even if, even if you're Hindu or whatever, his essays on the patristics on the early church are so, so good. And they've got a new book. So head on over to the Membrum Segmentum. Uh, the Chem de la Chem will be waiting for you there. The rest of the show continues. Now, you do not want to miss it. Become a member. Use code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. At checkout for two months free on all annual plans.